This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is seven minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Tuesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. Thanks for spending a few minutes with us this morning. It's the 24th day of August 2021. Beautiful day here in the Northeast. Uh, The rain is finally out of here. Hurricane Henri gave us uh, a little bit more uh, rain yesterday. Ended up getting... Uh, about three inches of rain uh, from uh, this storm, but uh, fortunately that is over and uh, we are here and uh, hope you can stick around for the next hour or so as we talk about what's going on in the world of sports. I'm going to start this morning with some sad news, uh, shocking news, I guess you'd have to say. Um, Jimmy Hayes, who won an NCAA championship at Boston College, uh, who played... Uh, in the NHL for several years, including with his hometown, Boston Bruins, uh, passed away yesterday, shockingly, um, at the age of 31. 31 years old. Uh, He has a wife, he has a three-month-old child, and they just celebrated his oldest son's second birthday on Saturday. And uh, he passed away yesterday. Uh, His brother... Uh, Kevin is a center for the uh, the Flyers. Um, uh, Jimmy Hayes played in the NHL up till uh, 2018. He played for the Bruins for a couple of years. His best season actually came uh, when he was a member of the uh, Florida Panthers. He scored 19 goals, had 35 points in 72 games um, back in uh, the 2014-2015 season. And it was because of that that the Bruins actually made a trade to bring him uh, to Boston. And uh, unfortunately, uh, he wasn't able to re- replicate that success with the uh, the Bruins, although he did have his only career hat trick uh, with the Bruins. He did that against, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember, I think it was the Blackhawks. And uh, no, it was the Ottawa Senators, I believe. Uh, but he last played for the New Jersey Devils back in 2018, and then he played uh, in the AHL uh, in uh, Penguins AHL affiliate in Wilkes-Barre-Scranton uh, in 2019. Uh, he had 109 points in the NHL, uh, but uh, from all accounts, just a, a great guy. And any time that anybody dies at 31, uh, it's tragic. You know, I mean, and uh, to have two young kids like that, it's just... Uh, uh, terrible. Obviously, they, they they don't suspect any foul play. There's no nothing suspicious about it, other than the fact he was 31, I guess. Um, so, you know, there's no cause of death yet. We'll probably find out it was some kind of heart condition or something. But just terrible. Uh, I, I can't even I, I can't even imagine what his his wife is going through. Uh, but uh, just sad news out of Boston yesterday. Strange news out of Boston yesterday. 
Well, I, you know what? When anything, when it comes to Cam Newton, I'm not sure how strange it is. Uh, by the way, we seem to be having some uh, video problems at face on Facebook Live. Although I don't know, maybe everybody else can see it, but for some reason, um, my monitor here will not play the video. It seems like it's going through, but uh, it just doesn't seem to want to play the video. But hopefully, uh, uh, it says we have uh, a few people watching. So hopefully. Uh, uh, maybe if, if the video is an issue, you can still hear the sound. But anyway, we'll keep working on that, trying to figure out what's going on there. Uh, but anyway, I, I, I mentioned Cam Newton, and uh, we shouldn't be surprised by anything, but Cam Newton is going to be missing from Patriots practice for a few games this week. He uh, left the team to go to a medical appointment. It was team-approved, out-of-town medical appointment over the weekend. And... Because of that and some confusion with the NFL protocols as far as COVID-19 goes, he has to uh, do what's called a five-day re-entry cadence. So basically he has to uh, quarantine himself for five days. And uh, Dave Massey just checked in and said he can see it fine. So the problem's not on, on, on their end or it looks like it's just on my end. So that's good. Glad, glad to hear. Thanks, thanks for letting me know, Dave. Um, Anyway, uh, so because he went to this out-of-town thing, the NFL says you basically have to reset the whole COVID thing, so it's five days. Now, why is that? Well, the five-day re-entry cadence that requires daily testing is only for unvaccinated players. And earlier this month, Cam Newton had been asked, by reporters uh, if he had been vaccinated for COVID-19 and he declined to answer. He said, he said, uh, I think it's too personal for each and every person to, to discuss it. So I'll just keep it at that. In other words, no, I'm not vaccinated. And for a guy who is your quarterback, who is supposed to be the leader of your team, to not be vaccinated speaks volumes about his leadership. And you look, say whatever you want about Cam Newton. And look, you know, he's a strange dude. He marches to the beat of a different drummer. We all know that. But, you know, this is also a guy whose best playing days are behind him. The injuries and the, the wear and tear to his body. And it, look, it's the NFL. It happens. And when he was with the Carolina Panthers, he took a beating. And he hasn't been the same, and he probably never will be again. You know, but now the leader of your team has shown the world that he is not vaccinated, and because of that, he is going to be missing from practice for a few days. Now, is it the end of the world? Of course not. My concern is more of uh, just what it speaks to in terms of his character and his leadership ability. When the NFL is pushing teams to get vac vaccinated, and here you have the, the, the supposed starting quarterback of your team that's not vaccinated. Now, everybody's theorizing, well, without him there for a few days, maybe that's going to give Mac Jones, the, uh, the rookie, a chance to win the starting quarterback job. And obviously in practice yesterday, because Cam Newton's not there, he took all the, the snaps with the first team. By all accounts, he looked pretty good. I can't believe they actually, by the way, and, and I, it's, just, it's just bizarre to me. It's practice. And yet you have people from the media going to practice and actually chatting, uh, charting stats. 
you know, telling us yesterday that Mac Jones in, uh, you know, in, in, in practice looked good, and he completed uh, 18 of his 31 throws. Really? I mean, the, 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 term, the term get a life comes to, to, to mind, but that's just me. Um, but here's the thing. I will be absolutely shocked if Mac Jones is the starter for the New England Patriots in week one. Now, it doesn't mean that he won't maybe see the field at some point if Cam Newton stinks up the joint. It doesn't mean that in week three, four, five, six, that Mac Jones is the new Patriots starting quarterback. But with Bill Belichick at the helm, I have a hard time picturing him just handing the keys to Mac Jones. And, and yeah, he's looked pretty good in a couple of preseason games. But let's remember something. They're preseason games. You know, you're not going to see everything that you would see during the regular season. You're not going to see the different coverages and the different schemes, defensive schemes. Uh, you're not necessarily playing against the other team's best players a lot of times when Mac Jones is in there. He's playing against, you know, a lot of other rookies or guys that are struggling to make the team. So you have to take what he's done in the preseason with a grain of salt. It doesn't mean he still hasn't played well, but it also doesn't mean that he's ready for prime time. And I don't think he is ready for prime time. I, look, he's the future of that franchise, I believe, and, and I, I hope that he, you know, that uh, you know, a few years from now, we're talking about Mac Jones leading the Patriots, you know, to a Super Bowl. But we are not there yet. This is still Cam Newton's team, regardless of the fact that he's not vaccinated. I just It just boggles my mind. It shouldn't surprise me, but it just boggles my mind. So, by the way, on Friday, uh, we're going to have uh, uh, Dan Zampano on. Uh, I've been promising it, but we're finally going to get him on on Friday. Uh, the final preseason games are coming up this weekend, and then they start playing for real. So you you have a you know you're going to see more uh, of guys starting to uh, maybe get some more reps to get you know if there was a fourth preseason game you might not on the fourth preseason game you know you play you you don't usually play your regulars but with just three there is a good chance that Cam Newton's going to start this game and he will play it probably at least the first half if not more so. Uh, but we'll get Dan on on Friday as we get close to the start of the season. Uh, how do I know it starts close? We're having a fan. I, my fantasy football draft is coming up on Wednesday with a couple of guys or a bunch of guys that uh, uh, that have other podcasts that uh, appear on our station and some guys that I appear on their shows. We've all gotten together for the last few years and uh, had a fantasy football league. And yours truly has not fared very well. Although he did make the playoffs last year, I got to the uh, the finals but lost. Uh, but finally uh, had a decent year last year. Fantasy football is not really my thing. I'm a baseball guy. You know, I, I follow football, obviously, but um, the depth of my knowledge and uh, uh, with football is far is pales in comparison to what I know about baseball. So, uh, But we're going to have the draft on Wednesday night, so that ought to be uh, entertaining anyway. Uh, all right, let's get to baseball yesterday. Red Sox played an afternoon game. And... Uh, the, here's the good news. If you're a Red Sox fan, the good news is is that they found a way to win a game after nearly giving it away. 
Um, the bad news is the defense was an issue again. Raphael Devers with another error yesterday. Bobby Dahlbeck fails to catch a ball at first base, a very catchable ball. And, uh, you know, th- this is becoming – well, no, it's, it's been a concern for a while, but it is – the Sox are going to have to get very creative. And they did this yesterday. They made some defensive changes late in the game that not only helped them defensively, it helped them offensively as well. Uh, the other thing that has to be concerning – Matt Barnes blows another save. He entered the ninth inning with a 3-1 lead. This is the guy that was lights out the first half of the season, a guy that, because of his performance of the first half of the season, got himself a nice contract extension. Well, Matt Barnes lately, folks, has been awful. Uh, how awful? Well, he's appeared in 51 games this year, okay? But it's a lot, by the way, already this season. He's appeared in 52, 51 games. He's got 24 saves, but he's blown six of them. In his last 30 games, Matt Barnes has an ERA of 4.85. In 26 innings, he's given up 25 hits, 14 earned runs. Now he struck out 36, but he's walked nine, which is an average of, you know, walking about three guys a game or three guys every nine innings. Over his last 15 games, his ERA is six and a half. He's walked five guys and given up 13 hits in 12 and a third inning. So he's got a a whip of 1.46 in his last 15 games. Not great. Gets worse. His last seven games, four and a third innings, ten hits, nine earned runs, three walks. An ERA of 18.69 and a walks and hits to innings pitched of 3.0. Thirteen base runners in four and a third innings in his last seven appearances. By the way, he's got no saves over that time. Shocking. But this now, you know, is a major concern. And one thing I have noticed is Matt Barnes has changed the way that he's pitched. If you remember early in the season, he was working quickly. He was working confidently. He was throwing his fastball more. He was getting strike one. Now he's nibbling again. We're back to seeing the Matt Barnes we saw in the past. His pace has slowed way down. This is not the same guy. Now, you can blame, and I do, I blame Alex Cora for a lot of this because Matt Barnes has been used to death. It, and it's not just it's not just his fault. Hein Bloom has to shoulder some of that. You know, they didn't get any bullpen help. The bullpen help they got, Hansel Robles and, and Davis, these guys aren't help. They've been more like, you know, gasoline. But, you know, let's remember, you know, Matt Barnes does get a lot of work, but he's already pitched in 51 games. His career high for appearances is 70. 
and he did that back in uh, 2019. He's going to surpass that this year. And this is a year after the COVID situation where they had a short season and he only appeared in 24 games last year. You know, so you have to, you know, this all comes back to the starting pitching. The fact that you had starters that consistently can't go deep into games and so that every game it seems like the Red Sox are throwing out three, four, five relievers. And Matt Barnes has been put in a lot of high-leverage situations, and early in the year it paid off. But the wear and tear has gotten to be too much. And at this point, you're all in. You don't have any option. It's not like you can say, well, we're going to shut him down for a week because the Red Sox no longer have a margin for error. You know, they are uh, they're screwed right now. Now, they're in the wild-card position again because they – Managed to get that win yesterday in the Oakland Athletics loss. But they don't have anybody else they can go to. It's not like Adam Adovino has been lights out. I mean, that's another guy who has, is, you know, the, the workload has gotten to him. You know, we've seen what it has done uh, to a lot of guys. So, but that's, you know, now when the ninth inning comes, where early, you know, the first half of the season, you weren't worried. Now you're scared to death. <laughs> uh, fortunately, Garrett Whitlock was there to, to bail the Sox out again yesterday. He ends up going two and two-thirds innings, picks up his fifth win of the year. He did give up a run, but the run he gave up was in the 10th inning. It doesn't come as an earned run because it's that free runner that starts at second base. That stupid rule, I can't wait to get, get rid of that. Struck out four. He only gave up one hit. He struck out four, didn't walk anybody, and he was back to looking like uh, – uh, his lights out self again. And the Red Sox wasted a great start by Nate Evaldi. A start that they desperately needed from their starter. He goes seven. Gives up four hits. The only run he gave up was unearned. He struck out seven. He didn't walk anybody. Man, what a breath of fresh air that was. And yet the Red Sox couldn't get him to win. And it was only by the grace of God that they managed to win this game. Uh, the grace of God and Rafi Devers. Rafi Devers, who was in a huge slump. He entered the game yesterday 0 for 17. But yesterday he had a couple of hits, but the biggest one came on uh, a pitch in the 10th inning, two outs, and he hits a double into the triangle in center field that, you know, would have been out of a lot of ballparks. It was a missile. And that was, you know, after the Red Sox had, uh, with Xander Bogarts up, Bogarts had hit a ball right back to the shortstop with the infield playing in. They got Christian Arroyo trying to score. You're thinking, well, now we're screwed because Bogarts is on first base and there's two outs and Devers is up and, you know, he, you know, he wasn't looking very happy because he was down two strikes, mad at himself, and then took a Dennis Santana pitch deep into the triangle. And by the way, you know, that's the other thing. Dennis Santana got left out there yesterday. I'm not quite sure why. Uh, got left in uh, to face too many guys when there was a lot of hard contact. J.D. Martinez, 
hit a ball to start the inning off that would have been out of two or three ballparks, another one into the triangle. He crushed this thing, but he hit it to the worst part of the park. So the Red Sox made some hard contact, uh, and so they leave him in. He gets out of the tent. They bring him back out for the 11th and just, uh, you know, was terrible. Absolutely terrible. And thank God for Travis Shaw. He got his first hit since coming back to the Red Sox on August 15th from the Milwaukee Brewers. He hits a grand slam home run on a 3-2 pitch, and the Red Sox win the game 8-4. They snatch victory from the jaws of defeat after having a victory, it appeared, you know, in what was going to be in regulation. So, yeah, it's a great win, and you're happy, and they're back in playoff position, and all is right with the world. Whoopee. You're still two and a half games behind the Yankees. But a win is a win is a win, and you, and you don't, you know, I don't want to sound like, God, it's, it's terrible. But there are concerns. What are they going to do about the closing situation with Matt Barnes obviously uh, struggling? What are you going to do to shore up this defense where Rafi Devers, you know, and again, he showed yesterday why you have to live sometimes with the bad defense because he can come through in the clutch. I mean, Rafi Devers is having a great season. He's hitting 277. This guy has driven in 90 runs, you know, leads the team. It, 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 so you have to live with it. But does he belong at third base? Is this a guy that going into next season, do the Red Sox have to think about another direction for Raphael Devers? Do they have to try to turn this guy into a first baseman? Do you consider moving Xander Bogarts off of shortstop? Xander Bogarts isn't going anywhere. He's, you know, he's the best player, well, or one of the best players on this team. He's kind of the face of the franchise, as it were. But he's not a good defensive shortstop. You know? Uh, So what do you do? Uh, Matt Corey this morning in his uh, Sox Outsider blog, you know, said, hey, you know, one thing to think about, there's going to be a lot of shortstops on the free agent market this year. Do the Red Sox consider going out and trying to sign Trevor Story? moving him to shortstop, move Bogarts to third, move Devers to first. Now all of a sudden you, that off you know maybe that uh, that defense in the on the uh, infield doesn't look as bad. That's a long way down the road. Right now the Red Sox aren't focused on that. They're focused on how to get through the rest of this season and get themselves into the playoffs. But I think we're going to see more of Travis Shaw as a late inning replacement at first base. I think we are going to see Kyle Schwarber at first base very soon. He played the outfield yesterday for the first time, uh, but I think we're going to see him at first soon. Bobby Dahlbeck continues to struggle offensively and obviously defensively. He has misplayed three or four balls in the last seven or eight games. Plays that a good defensive shortstop or good defensive first baseman make. Now, Kyle Schwarber is not a first baseman. He's played there a grand total of once in his career. But the way I look at it is, can he be any worse than what we're seeing from Bobby Dahlbeck? You know, I, I don't know, you know, but I think we're going to see that more. 
I think we are going to see more Christian Arroyo at second base, less Kike Hernandez at second base, I hope. Although, you know, and, and Kike, look, uh, Kike is a better outfielder. We talked about this yesterday. He's a much better outfielder than he is a second baseman. And he continues to get on base. He went over two yesterday, but he walked three times. You know, he's doing his job at the top of the lineup. I mean, all the abuse that he was taking for the beginning of the year for not being a leadoff hitter, and he's not your prototypical leadoff hitter. And would you like his on-base percentage to be a little bit higher? Yeah, as a leadoff hitter, I suppose, but he's getting on base at a three forty-three clip. You know, and considering the start to the season he had, that's not awful. You know? Um you know, Kike has been a different player over the last 30 games. Over the last 30 games, his on-base percentage is 406. You know, so he's doing the job at the top of the lineup. But he belongs in the outfield, not on the infield. And as much as I like Jaron Duran, uh, you know, maybe it's time that Jaron Duran finds himself on the bench and you use him in pinch running situations you use them you know you, you get him an occasional start out there but maybe it's time uh to say he's just not ready yet you know i still think he's got a good career ahead of him but you know they brought him up threw him to the wolves and hoped that he could spark the offense he hasn't done that at all and he hasn't played a good defensive outfield you know one thing to think about with this red sox team is that their offense you know, we talk about the pitching and the, the closing issues and everything else. But but think about this. This Red Sox offense, if you take away the games, the, the big games that they had against the Tampa Bay Rays and the Orioles. Remember when they beat the Rays 20-8 to eight and they scored 16 against Baltimore? If you take away those two blowouts, okay, their Red Sox are averaging... 30, uh, 3.4 runs a game over the last 18 games. That's awful. That's so bad, folks. That's half a run a game less than the Orioles. Wrap your head around that one. So, you know, there's not just one problem here. There's so many different things, and, and it's almost like you feel like you're the, uh, the little Dutch boy with his, trying to put his finger in the dike as, the, uh, as, as all the cracks and the, the holes are opening up, and you're going to run out of fingers and toes to block all these holes in the dike, and you worry about you're going to get swamped. And that's what's happened to the Red Sox. There's still time. It's still salvageable. But the dike is crumbling, and it's crumbling quickly. It's 33 minutes past the hour. We've got to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 35 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Tuesday morning. By the way, happy birthday to Cal Ripken Jr. Uh, I guess he'd be the, uh, the new Iron Man, right, uh, after breaking Lou Gehrig's record. He is 61 years old today. God, do I feel old. Well, he's my age. So I guess we're old together, but this is a guy that, you know, you watched play for so long in Major League Baseball. And to think about the fact that he is 61 years old now, man, the time just it flies so quickly. Uh, also having a birthday today, uh, Kike Hernandez, the uh, aforementioned Kike Hernandez, turns 30 years old today. And Brett Gardner of the New York Yankees 
turns 38 years old today. Um, speaking of Brett Gardner and the New York Yankees, they win again yesterday. Th- these Yankees, the last time the Yankees lost a game, August 12th, it was the Field of Dreams game against the uh, Chicago White Sox, a game that looked like they had won, and the White Sox win it on that Tim Anderson home run uh, in the bottom of the ninth inning. But that was the last time the Yankees lost. They won their 10th straight game last night. They beat the Atlanta Braves, who had been hot themselves. The Braves had won nine in a row going into the game last night. Yankees win it 5-1. By the way, that was the first time since uh, 1901 that two teams with the winning records or winning streaks of that long have faced off against each other. All the way back in 1901 when the Pirates had a 10-game winning streak against the Phillies who had won nine in a row. That was 1901 was the last time two teams this hot played each other. Uh, and it was a 1-1 game going into the sixth inning, uh, but then the Yankees uh, got things going. Um against the uh, the bullpen. They got to Yanoa for a couple of runs in the sixth, and then they got to Santana for a couple more runs in the eighth. Uh, Jordan Montgomery was pretty good for five innings, only gave up two hits and a run. The only run he gave up came on a Dansby Swanson home run in the second inning. Swanson's 25th homer of the year. And then Loiza got two scoreless innings. Wandy Peralta gave him a scoreless inning. And then Aroldis Chapman, it was uh, not a safe situation, but he pitched a scoreless ninth inning. And uh, the Yankees beat the Braves 5-1. to one. Uh, Swanson's having a hell of a year. 25 home runs. Uh, but uh, uh, Huskar Yanoa got a little bit wild in the sixth inning. He, uh, he, he hit DJ LeMahieu. And uh, then he walked Joey Gallo, and then uh, John Carlos Stanton, a double off the wall, scored both runners. Stanton also had a home run in this game, drove in three of the five Yankee runs. By the way, how about the outfield that the Yankees had in this game last night? They had uh, Joey Gallo in left field. He's 6'5", 250 pounds. Aaron Judge started in center field, 6'7", 282 pounds. And John Carlos Stanton, 6'6", 245 pounds, started in right field. Aaron Boone called it his jumbo package. The the outfield was a combined 19 feet 6 inches and weighed 777 pounds. It sounds like a uh, the, the uh, offensive line for a college football team. I mean, I, holy smokes. But the Yankees now, uh, with the win, four back of uh, the idle Tampa Bay Rays, they just uh, they just continue to uh, to amaze the way they have turned their season around. Everybody, you know, look, remember back when the Yankees were like at five hundred, and everybody wanted to fire Aaron Boone, <laughs> right? I mean, how long is Aaron Boone going to survive this? And now they're 21 games over 500. I mean, it's it's stunning. It really is. Uh, the turnaround. The uh, Toronto Blue Jays managed to get a win yesterday as well. <coughs> they beat the Chicago White Sox uh, thanks to some wildness by Craig Kimbrell. Uh, Kimbrell, who had been has been the setup man for Liam Hendricks. See, and that's the thing. You know, you look at this. They have Liam Hendricks, and they had, they got K- Craig Kimbrell from the Cubs, and everybody's like, well, lights out. You know, 
this is over, Chicago's going to win it. Well, Liam Hendricks has struggled to get people out lately, and Craig Kimbrell has struggled quite a bit since coming over from the Cubs as well. But yesterday, uh, Kimbrell comes on in the eighth inning and uncorks two wild pitches in the inning that allows uh, Bravik Valera to score the tie-breaking run in the eighth inning. And the Blue Jays win it 2-1. to one. Alec Manoa, six solid innings, five hits, just one run. He struck out five and walked three. Uh, Jordan Romano picked up his 12th save of the season. Uh, but uh, Lance Lynn, great start for the Chicago White Sox. Seven innings, four hits, just one run. He struck out four, didn't walk anybody, lowered his ERA to 2.20, and has absolutely nothing to show for it because the bullpen gives it away. Um, the thing that angered... Um, Tony La Russa in the game, however, which was weird. You know, uh, the uh, Blue Jays scored the tying run in the sixth inning. It was really the only mistake that Lance Lynn made in the game. And, and La Russa was frustrated. He got asked about it after the game and wasn't going to comment on it. But he said, you know, he said, look, you know, you know, everybody Everybody saw what happened. I don't need to comment what happened. And at the end of the day, Lance Lynn upset with himself because a 3-0 pitch, he had uh, Vlad Jr. 3-0 and uh, left the ball up with two outs and a runner on second base in the sixth. I mean, look, the, the, the White Sox have taken a lead. You've got first base open. You're 3-0 on Vlad Guerrero. You cannot throw a ball right down the middle. And it was he did. You know, look, at, at that's one of those situations where Vlad Guerrero, a guy who is a contender for MVP in the American League, a guy who has worn pitching out all season long, you, you walk him. You don't throw a 3-0 meatball down the middle of the plate. You let the guy take the walk, and then you work on the next guy. You know, Teoscar Hernandez is no walk in the park, but, you know, you still – Walk Vlad Jr. there. So, uh, tonight it will be Jose Barrios for the Toronto Blue Jays, 8-6 and six with a 3-5-2. Dylan Cease will get the start uh, for the Chicago White Sox tonight. Hey, look, the White Sox uh, are struggling. They've lost three in a row. They've lost six of the last ten. They still have a comfortable lead because, fortunately for them, the rest of the AL Central is just putrid. The Cleveland Indians are in second place. Uh, at They're at 500. And they're nine games back. You know, I still think that this, uh, this White Sox team could be the favorites if they get, if everybody's healthy. And they didn't have Tim Anderson yesterday. Tim Anderson sat out his, uh, his third straight game. So, you know, they're hoping to be able to get him back in a couple of days. You know, he is a big part of this team. So, but I still think with, with Lance Lynn and, uh, and the rest of this Chicago pitching staff, Dylan Cease, and, you know, look, they still are, to me, and with those two guys at the back end of that bullpen, I still think, in my mind, and, 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 I, and I know it sounds ridiculous considering what the Tampa Bay Rays are doing, in my mind, the Chicago White Sox are still the team to beat, despite the fact that they're in a bit of a funk right now. Remember, the Yankees were in a funk for a long time. Look where they are. The Dodgers, same thing. They were in a funk, and they have righted the ship. I think this Chicago team has plenty of talent, 
and I still think that they are the team that is going to win the American League. You know, I mean, look, as a Red Sox fan, do I want the Red Sox to win it? Yeah. And did I think that they had a good chance to do that earlier in the season? Yes. But the flaws on this Red Sox team have uh, have become uh, very apparent. I mean, we knew there were some issues, but guys were playing over their heads and they were getting all the good breaks and they're not getting them anymore. At the end of the day, if you look at talent on a lineup, I think the Chicago White Sox are still have the best roster top to bottom, pitching staff top to bottom in the American League, in my opinion. You know, we'll see, uh, you know, we'll see if, if that comes to be. But uh, I would not worry too much, and, I, and I, I don't want to hear anything about how old Tony La Russa is or anything else. This team is very talented, and I still think they end up in the World Series. It's 45 minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take one more break. Back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 47 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake up call here on a Tuesday morning. Uh, so things uh, pretty much status quo in the American League West last night as uh, the Astros continue to struggle. The Royals beat them again last night, seven to one. You know this is uh, you know if you're if you are the Astros, you've got to be really frustrated. This is a Kansas City Royals team that is twelve games under five hundred, but they have owned the Houston Astros this year. Uh, they've lost, they have beaten uh, four, uh, they have beaten the Astros four of the last five times these teams have played. You know, it's unbelievable. Uh, yesterday it was a rookie, uh, Daniel Lynch, who got the start for the Royals and over five innings allowed just one run. And then the Royals bullpen chips in and over the next four innings they give up one hit. Uh, Zach Greinke was pretty good for Houston, but uh, gave up a home run to Sal Perez, his 33rd homer of the season that uh, extends his career high. He has now driven in 81 runs this year, which is his career best. He had 80 back in 2017 and uh, 2018. I mean, this is a guy that is having the best year of his career. Now, uh, you know, he's hitting 275, and this is a guy that catches every day, you know. And uh, uh, Whit Merrifield, one of my favorite players, you know, one of the guys that I think is – and it's hard to say that, you know, a guy that's hitting in the 280s is underrated, but because he plays in Kansas City, a lot of people don't pay attention to this guy. Whit Merrifield, three more hits yesterday, three runs batted in. I love this guy. I really do. Uh, he's one of those guys that if I'm the Red Sox, man, would I love to have him on my squad. He's not going anywhere. I'm sure Kansas City's going to lock him up for a long time. But uh, Merrifield, three more hits yesterday, hitting 281. Uh, now, the good news for Houston, Alex Bregman, close to coming back. He had three hits in a rehab game uh, for their AAA team in Sugarland yesterday. He's going to be back in Houston today. They're going to evaluate him, and then uh, he will probably be activated this week. So that is going to be a big boost uh, for the Astros to be able to get him back in the starting lineup. They may put him at designated hitter to uh, to start off uh, just to be on the safe side. Uh, the other good news is Jose Urquidy is close to coming back. He's going to make a rehab start for Sugarland tonight. 
uh, coming back from some right shoulder discomfort, but he seems to be on track. So it looks like Houston's going to get a couple of big pieces back in their lineup here in the next couple of days. Uh, tonight it will be Brady Singer making the start for Kansas City. Uh, and Luis Garcia, who has been great for the Astros, 9-6 and six with a 3-3-9 ERA, uh, will get the start for Houston. So, uh, Houston falls. The A's have a chance maybe to take advantage of that, crawl a little bit closer. They can't do it because the A's lose their third straight game yesterday. Uh, the Mariners come back to beat them 5-3. to three. Uh, the A's had a 2-0 lead in this game. Seattle squ- ties it up in the sixth. The A's come back, uh, tie it up in the bottom of the inning, but then a three-run ninth inning. And uh, the Mariners win it. Uh, Jake Bowers, a, a two-run single in the ninth inning off of Lou Trevino, who has been struggling quite a bit lately uh, for Trevino. It was his fourth blown save. Um, uh, Blackburn, was, got the start for Oakland, was pretty good, trying to get his first win in like three years. Uh, lasted deep into the sixth inning before he finally left, and then the bullpen couldn't hold it. Uh, Marco Gonzalez got the start for Seattle, did not factor in the decision. Uh, Misowitz got the win in relief, and uh, Paul Seawald picked up his seventh save of the season. Mitch Hanniger, his 29th home run of the season uh, for Seattle. Ty France, who was a big hero uh, uh, the other night for the Mariners with a uh, a late-inning home run, uh, had his 16th home run of the season yesterday for the Mariners again. So now the Mariners uh, are only two back of Oakland for second place in the AL West. They're five and a half behind Houston, and they are only three behind the second wild card, who right now, of course, is the Boston Red Sox. Uh, and two behind Oakland in the wild card race as well. So this uh, Seattle Mariners team not going anywhere. Uh, the finale of the quick two-game series is today. It's actually this afternoon. Chris Flexen, 10-5 and five with a 3.65 ERA, will get the start for the Mariners. Cole Irvin will get the start for the A's. Uh, he is 9-11 and 11 with a 3.52. But over his last 10 starts, Irvin's been a lot better. Uh, his ERA just a touch over three over his last 10 starts, so that will be this afternoon. Then there were a couple of games yesterday uh, that I think probably nobody watched. (laughs) It was a short day uh, in baseball yesterday. There were only a handful of games, but, man, uh, two of them were just brutal. The Chicago Cubs and the Colorado Rockies. How many people do you think tuned into that one? Uh, The Cubs, by the way, win the game 6-4 at home. It snapped a 13-game losing streak at home for the Cubs. That 13-game streak was the longest in franchise history at home. Unbelievable. Uh, Daniel Bard gives up a uh, walk-off home run in the ninth inning to Rafael Ortega. Uh, so Bard takes the loss and uh, falls to 7-6 and six on the season. Uh, Hendricks, Kyle Hendricks was looking for his 15th win yesterday, but... Uh, uh, pitch seven, but he wasn't great yesterday. Nine hits and four runs in those seven innings. Uh, but fortunately, uh, Ortega bails him out. Uh, Rodriguez picks up the win in relief. Cody Hewer pitched a uh, scoreless inning in relief as well. Antonio Senzatella, good start for Colorado, just one run over six innings. Uh, and then the other game yesterday that even fewer people probably watched, it was the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Arizona Diamondbacks, a couple of last-place teams, a couple of teams with uh, – 
you know, about 40, 40 wins. Uh, Pittsburgh wins it, the late rally. Uh, Yoshi Sutsugo, who started the season with the uh, uh, Tampa Bay Rays, got traded to the Los Angeles Dodgers and then got traded uh, to baseball purgatory to Pittsburgh. Uh, he homered yesterday, and then uh, Brian Reynolds a triple in the seventh inning, and the Pirates come back uh, to beat the Diamondbacks six to five. And absolutely no, <laughs> nobody uh, watched this game. Uh, what to watch for today in Major League Baseball? Joey Votto and the Cincinnati Reds. The biggest uh, series probably of the week for anybody uh, comes up as uh, the Reds visit Milwaukee for a three-game series. Cincinnati right now. In wild card position, they are the number two wild card. They trail the Milwaukee Brewers by seven and a half games. If they have any hope of catching Milwaukee, the Reds got to take advantage of this series right here. Now, Cincinnati is red hot. They've won four in a row, but Milwaukee's won their last couple. Both teams have won seven of ten. Should be a lot of fun. Corbin Burns will get the start for Milwaukee, eight and four with a 2-1-3 ERA, and Tyler Molly with his 10-4 and record and a 3-7-8 ERA. Uh, we'll get the start for the Cincinnati Reds. So that is going to be a great series to watch over the next three days. Um, one other quick note, Tony Finau wins the first FedEx Cup playoff event. Um, he wins the Northern Trust Open down in Jersey City. They had to postpone the last round until Monday. It's amazing that they were able to play this at all. The course is in Jersey City. Jersey City got nine inches of rain from uh, Hurricane Henri, and uh, they were still able to finish it off yesterday. So Finau had not won on the PGA Tour in five years. And uh, John Rahm, the number one player in the world, uh, was leading, but Finau with a great back nine uh, ends up winning the thing. So uh, congratulations to Tony Finau. Great guy, uh, and it's nice to see him uh, finally get a win after five years. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. We leave you this morning with some music from Marty Stewart. This one's called The Pilgrim. See you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.